Hey guys, this is Kyle and Travis, and we're with Beyond Bipolar Blog. So I've been watching a lot of videos on YouTube uh, with very uh, high-educated uh, psychiatrists, uh, therapists, slash uh, uh, life coaches. The ones I've been mainly watching are primi primarily PhD psychiatrists is Dr. Jordan Peterson. Dr. Jordan Peterson is really good. He's a conservative, but he's had a backlash because he's... Like I said, he's conservative, and uh, there's a bunch of people that were kind of uh, bickering at him and kind of having a mob against him because he did not support uh, transgendered people, and he felt like there's only two sexes. But anyway, there's another guy that I've been watching, Dr. Gabor Mate. He focuses on uh, childhood uh, and healing that inner child and that a lot of people's issues come stem from uh uh, a wounded inner child basically and the third one is actually kind of new is he's an Indian guy that's dr. K I've been watching a few of his videos uh, he seems to give really really good interviews with people and he's kind of new to the game apparently he was uh, addicted to video games and he moved to and he was going to school but he ended up dropping out and failing because he was addicted to video games so he became a monk in India and he somehow turned his life around and came back and ended up getting a, a medical doctorate and he's an actual psychiatrist and he has his own YouTube channel called Healthy Gamer GG so I wanted to watch one video this video was about uh, psychiatrist clar clarifying the points of therapy and hospitalization. It was kind of an interesting one. I didn't watch all of it, but we'll react to it and see what my brother thinks and what I think. Okay, let's get started. Okay. <laughs> Trying to be honest with my therapist, but not so honest that I get involuntarily hospitalized. <laughs> okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about involuntary hospitalization. This is just going to be kind of educational, right? So first question, chat, is what is the goal of hospitalization? Y'all know? So like the goal of hospitalization is, is really for like safety and stabilization. So I know this sounds kind of weird, but like 99% of patients who have come into my office and said, I have suicidal thoughts, I have not hospitalized. Okay, so involuntary hospitalization is really only you should be used in only like drastic cases where there's like an acutely elevated risk of safety. So I've worked with people who have been suicidal for like a year and they'll come to my office and they're like, I'm thinking about killing myself and I still may not hospitalize them. In fact, I usually don't. So the, the main issue is whether there is an acute elevation, a temporary elevation of your risk that is very problematic in that moment. And if the answer to that question is yes, then we will consider involuntary hospitalization, or at least me personally. So that's also where I would think of- Personally, I think there's a huge difference between having suicidal thoughts and suicide with intent, because if you have intent, well, that clarifies you that you are gonna take your life. So I don't know if this is what he's talking about, but I feel like suicidal thoughts, if you're just saying you're suicidal, I don't think that clarify you to be hospitalized. I had suicidal thoughts and lasted for several months you know six months at least and no a year at least and the thing is is that i've only had like three hospitalizations it's a lot in a year if you compare to many people but 
in general, based on all the suicidal thoughts I had, I didn't go to the hospital every time that I had suicidal thoughts. About voluntary hospitalization. So most of the people that I've worked with, like, will do a voluntary hospitalization, which is, well, I'll talk to them, right? And like our goal. So when I work with my patients, we have a shared goal. The shared goal is not to, you know, keep them living life that is miserable. The shared goal is to try to help people build a life that is worth living. So if I feel like they're so mentally ill to where they're like acutely at danger to themselves, then I may involuntarily hospitalize them. But generally speaking, you know, psychiatrists and therapists are not there to hospitalize you against their will. That's not what we're there for. We're there to try to help you. And just because you're suicidal doesn't actually mean that you belong in a hospital. Like at least, I mean, it depends on what kind of suicidality. So we'll go over that in a second. But, you know, really the, the question is, can you, is the, is the risk to yourself so great that you need to be in a controlled environment for a temporary period of time? And so this is where, you know, when I work with people, like I think about the following factors. One is, is there a temporary elevation to the risk? Do you have means or access to kill yourself? Do you have a plan to kill yourself? So like some people are like, I just want to die. They don't really have any plan to do something. Whereas other people are, and if I ask them like, you know, do you have a plan of what you would do? They'd be like, yeah, I, I jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. And I'm like, the Golden Gate Bridge is in San Francisco and you're in Boston. So would you buy a ticket and fly? They're like, yeah, I haven't really thought it through. I'm like, great. So you probably don't need to be hospitalized in that situation. So the, the, the first thing to remember is that, you know, our goal is not to hospitalize you against your will. And just because you're suicidal doesn't mean that we're going to hospitalize you. It, of course, is a case-by-case -case basis. Different clinicians have different thresholds. Um, I tend to be like a big believer in patient autonomy and, and sort of like, you know, so I, I think that it's my job to really, I mean, sometimes I'll involuntarily hospitalize people because I, I don't think that their mind is working properly. And so we'll do something called a capacity eval to see if their, their mind is actually functioning in a way that's processing information or they're too depressed to be able to process information. But just because you're suicidal doesn't mean that we're going to hospitalize you. In fact, like our goal is to help you not be hospitalized. Right? So when I think about my goal, job as a psychiatrist, my job is to keep you out of the hospital if possible. Right? So if you think about it, that's the job of all doctors. Like if you go to a primary care physician and you've got like an infection, the goal of the doctor is to keep you from needing to go to the hospital. Like we don't want to get this to a point where you're septic, the infection is like flowing through your bloodstream and like, you know, it's affecting your entire body. The goal is to keep you out of the hospital. That, it's not about cost savings for the insurance company, things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is generally speaking, we want to keep people to a minimal level of, of illness. Right? So our goal, and so the, the, this is where I'd strongly encourage you to talk to your provider if you're having suicidal thoughts, because it's their job to help you be safe. It's their job to help you like deal with those thoughts, hopefully, you know, so you no longer have them or they're like much more controlled or way easier to deal with because that's our job. But if you don't tell us because you're afraid of being hospitalized, like, yeah, you could be hospitalized. It's possible. But if you don't tell us, then like, we can't help you with them. And the hospital is not really what we want to do. Like, that's not our go-to. It's like a last resort. That being said, you know, there are some providers who for medical legal reasons or, you know, personal thresholds may be, have a lower threshold to hospitalize people. I, you know, I can't speak for everyone. Um, but generally speaking, I think that, you know, if you have suicidal thoughts, like you should tell your provider and then your provider will sort of ask you certain questions. And this is the other thing I know it sounds shocking, but also if your provider wants to hospitalize you, you got to really think about why they want to, right? Because as trained professionals, we sort of know what the risks are. And so if you're like really high risk for suicidal, like an actual suicide attempt, and your provider is telling you to do that, maybe you should go, right? Because like they kind of know what they're talking about. And our goal really is to help you stay alive and stay healthy. So, you know, don't hesitate to share your, your, your suicidal thoughts with your provider. This is also where, like we, like we said, we think about acute elevations. So has something really drastic happened to you? Did you just get dumped? You know, do you have access to suicidal means? Just want to say that, you know, there's a lot of people in the past, especially me, I can relate to it that I've downplayed my suicidal ideations because... I honestly didn't want to get help, and that was primarily the thing I denied getting help because I didn't believe in my mental health. I didn't believe in getting better. I just thought, woe is me. Might as well just live woe is me and things like that. But I still feel like coming back and looking on the things is that it's very important to be honest with your, your psychiatrist, therapists, and other type of support. Well, if they support you in a way, 
try not to stress them all, but trained professionals is what I'm trying to get at is that if you are in a position where you do want to harm yourself, it's probably more beneficial to let them know than to hide it from them. And if you're afraid to go to the hospital, well, I still feel like it is in the psychiatrist's own desire for you to get well and to keep you safe. So in general, I still feel like it's better to go to the hospital than not if you have the intention of suicide. If you're just having suicidal thoughts, I would I would wean on that. Maybe focus on dialectical behavioral therapy like activities, distractions, or um, other types of therapeutical things that you could be doing. Has there been any time that has there been any time where a provider or psychiatrist or therapist uh, pushed you in the hospital then and that you were scared? Nah, but it, there was the opposite. I just feel like they, there was this nurse practitioner. I think there's a huge difference between a nurse practitioner and MD. The nurse practitioner literally let me involuntarily put myself in the hospital three times in a year. I went to an ERTS a year. I had partial hospitalizations before the ERTS and... She literally declared, like I said earlier, for me to not help me out. She just declared that she didn't want to be my provider anymore. And I think that is the worst thing that a, a psychiatrist can do for you. She, I told her that I might have had the Steven Johnson rash from Limington. She didn't even want to look at that. She just felt like the other doctor was making the clear specification, even though she, she or he was not a psychiatrist. I still feel like there's literally bad psychiatrists that... How old was this lady, and who was it? I mean, you don't have to give her a name, but where was it? This was at... U of M? Or? Nah, this was at uh, Nystrom. Nystrom and Associates, because I don't know if you met her, but I was with her with my mom a few times. and How long were you with her for? A year. Oh, that's quite a bit. So I was with her a year, and she, she didn't say anything about going to the hospital. She just literally tried to tell me that you don't need antidepressants, you're... You, it's going to make you manic, which makes sense. But I feel like I was more in a danger myself by not being on antidepressant, by not taking the risk. Is that common for psychiatrists to, to prescribe antidepressants for bipolar then? Or it sounds Maybe for a nurse practitioner. She's never heard of it. but Oh, she's a nurse practitioner. Yes, she that's was, the thing. I remember she wasn't a doctor. Though. Nope, she wasn't a doctor. And <clears throat> it kind of sucks because I don't know if you guys know about psychiatrists, but it's very, very difficult to get a psychiatrist. There's few compared to the ratio of many people with mental illness. So That was my first psychiatrist. That was the one that actually where I, I mentioned in another video where they're pretty much loading me with with drugs and it wasn't good so they didn't specifically focus on your well-being they just focused on like maybe book smart research but generally the most important thing is to make sure that the patient is living a well to do life to the best possible knowledge and there's some that just want to over medicate you there's some that just don't invest their time into helping you and generally that can be very very frustrating so my my advice to you if you're struggling with someone that might over medicate you that isn't listening to you that isn't expressing to you on how to help you with the suicidal thoughts or coping with suicidal issues i still feel that 
you got to keep looking around. You will eventually find someone if you keep looking around. And it's very difficult for people that are on MA because there's some that are out of network and you'll realize that they don't have, they don't insure people on medical assistance. And you have to be wary about that. So that also decreases your chances of finding a good psychiatrist. I'm lucky that I found one. I'm lucky that my brother was through a lot of them, though. Mention that. I've been through a lot and primarily in the beginning was because of me. State I felt like I didn't want to, I, I, I felt like I didn't want to get help. And the first one I had was actually at U of M, which was a resident and just literally poured with no, med after med. Nice med. Wasn't it? No, the first one was oh. U of M. Oh. So they literally poured me with a whole bunch of meds and they didn't really help me at all. And then I went to one that I eventually didn't even see at all because I just ran away and to the bridge and hitched a ride to the bridge, basically just walked away. And I was literally in denial of getting help because I felt the medications caused so much stress in the past. I didn't want any more medications. So then I ended up going to a guy because I wanted to try to form a relation. His name was Naveed. That was mine. He's pretty good. I feel like he's, even though he was just a nurse practitioner. I guess it's important to note that I did have one in 2012 when I had a partial hospitalization. The, it was like an actual MD, an actual MD that took care of me. It was the first time I started lithium. How were those people in the hospital? Just, unfortunately, they were pretty cold. Unfortunately, when I told him I didn't want to be on lithium because I didn't believe I was bipolar, he literally told me, you are bipolar, you need to take lithium, and... I don't know. It doesn't help that much. I just ended up taking it for the sake of shutting him up, which is kind of a bad excuse. But in generally, you got to keep your options open, guys. You got to try to find the best psychiatrist. You got to try to be open and honest with them. You can't lie to them. Don't sugarcoat anything. Just keep continuing. There's a time that you're really, really mad at them. Yet you, that's ironic that you support meds when you're really mad. Because there was a period of time where I was off medications for three years, and I was just... Remember we made that video of you, you and I butt-fucking each other, because you're mad. Yeah, that was in 2009 and 10, when I was just on a whole bunch of drugs. You're mad, and you made a, a, a music video that called, called, called post, Post-Trauma. Caused a lot of akathisia, and that was... But you still support meds, even if you... If... I support meds to the extent of you got to keep trying to find the best one for you. I don't support in trying medication, staying on it, making you miserable. I would keep trying to search for the right meds. However, you want to be careful that it does take some time for the medication to work. If you're having overt reactions like akathisia right away or causing induced suicidations, of course, you want to get off them. Or even if with weight gain, you might want to get off them in the long term. But you still got to try to keep searching for the right men. I believe I'm a big proponent of medication. I feel like it helps and benefits So people. even if people are scared, you're... you're in- you're encouraging him to still go do it. Yes. And that also is because if you look at it, 80% of suicide attempts were cons- like actually the decision was made within two to five minutes. I think maybe 60% is made within 60 to 120 seconds of the attempt. So if you ask survivors of suicide attempts and you ask them, when did you actually decide that you were going to kill yourself? 60% of them, I think, say within one or two minutes. And 80% of them will say within five minutes of the attempt. So it's a very common myth that most people will plan out their suicide attempt over a long period of time. That's why we ask so much about access to stuff. So if you have a gun in the home, the problem is that if you have this idea and within 60 seconds you've got the gun, you may actually pull the trigger. So we try to control means. If you have to book a ticket to San Francisco, like for next Tuesday, 
the likelihood that that attempt will happen is statistically way lower, according to the research, as, as I understand it anyway, based on my last reading of it. And so that's why, we, we, you know, when the provider tells you, hey, I really want you to go to the hospital, they're not necessarily worried in that moment. What they're actually thinking, hopefully, is like, what is the likelihood that that little voice in your head actually takes control of you for like up to five minutes? Another interesting thing about suicide is that you probably might mention that most people who are suicidal, this kind of relates to what he's saying, they won't even tell anyone. So usually if somebody's telling you, it's likely they're more asking for help and not really actually trying to take in there. taking their own life. So they're trying to resolve those issues. So but those, good those thing, should right? literally be taken seriously because that is kind of a plan of attack. So they're crying for help, but they're asking for the sake of that they're just miserable and they want to eventually take their life. You got to take that seriously. There is things that you want to try to be open and honest and non-judgmental. You, you want to kind of not probe them, but you want to just listen to their problems and just listen. That's probably the biggest thing that they really want. Just use it. And if the little voice that you fight against on a daily basis can take control of you in five minutes, what is the worst damage it can actually do to you? That is our threshold to hospitalize. Because when that risk gets too high, that's when we really think about hospitalizing. And even then, like what I'll do, I mean, I've had cases where people have had very high risk situations and it sort of becomes like an issue of trust where I'll explain this to them and say, I trust you now. I get that you're telling me that you're not actually going to do anything. I'm concerned that you could change your mind in the middle of the night. So let's get rid of the gun. So I'll talk to the person. Or they'll talk to their spouse or mom or whatever. So and this is another issue with politics it has more to do with the NRA. So I know there's a lot of gun people that saying you can get rid of the guns, but in the end, they believe that that. If they give up our rights to bear arms, that that there could be a government takeover and we don't have anything to protect ourselves. That's more of the Republican view. The Democratic view is that they believe that it's okay getting rid of the like the big guns because one they could shoot and harm people. And then there's another question: why why in the hell can a mentally ill person get access to a gun? How, how is that possible? I mean, anyone can get it to the black market, but. With men, they're impulsive. Honestly, if you really think about it, if they didn't have that gun, they wouldn't probably shoot anyone or kill themselves. So I don't know what your viewpoint of it is. I still feel like if guns were not in the hands of people in general, that there's less likely to be in the hands of people that are mentally ill. Now, probably there is some emphasis that these mentally ill people do need to have more therapy that more resources do need to be put in mental health versus getting rid of the guns but for safety reason this guy literally says if you have access to a gun and you're impulsive well it's probably better to get rid of that gun and i, I tell them what i need to be reassured is like i need your mom to be with you and y'all need to get rid of guns together and the three of us are going to talk about it and so as, if we can be assured that you don't have access anymore to make an impulsive decision because most suicide attempts are actually impulsive decisions then we can sort of like, you know, keep you safe. And if we can keep you safe on the outside, then, you know, we don't need to hospitalize you. The last thing that I know it's shocking, but hospitalization is not a magical cure for suicidality. So this is the other reason that I tend to be really careful about when to hospitalize people is because I really have to ask myself, what's going to change within one week? Now, if you just got dumped by your partner and you're like acutely suicidal, then like absolutely in a week, you could process a lot. You could be in a different headspace. So by all means, like move towards hospitalization. So this is where the, the other thing that we talk a lot about in psychiatry is a chronically elevated risk of suicidality, which does not necessarily warrant hospitalization. Some people have a chronically elevated risk of suicidality which means that they're sort of constantly like high risk to be suicidal. And even if it's scary, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be hospitalized because it's unclear like what will happen over the course of the 10 days that you're in the hospital. If it's not going to actually make an impact, we just personally, we just kind of ride out the risk. Isn't hospitalization usually for about protection mainly? Just not, not really a change of safety. Yeah, it does. 
for yeah, safety. safety and protection so they don't kill themselves. It's more, that's really what it is, emergency to keep someone alive, right? I'd rather have someone in the hospital than not in the hospital if they have the intention of killing themselves. So right? We talk about it. We oftentimes try to talk to a patient's family member, spouse, or parents or something like that. We say, hey, here's the situation. What do you guys want to do? We can try hospitalization. We cannot try hospitalization. And based on my assessment, this is a chronically elevated risk. Is it scary? Absolutely. But I don't know that hospitalizing you for five days is going to change something. Yeah. So Riyadh is saying my first time calling the suicide hotline was last Thursday. Good that you called and don't hesitate to call again and like go to the emergency room if you're feeling like you're in a bad spot. So this is the thing is like, remember, hospitalization is sort of like, it's like, it's, it's basically the alt for the psychiatry profession. Right? Like, we don't spam your alt. You can't spam your alt. Doesn't do any. I mean, I guess theoretically it would be good to spam your alt, but like, that's not, <laughs> it's a bad analogy, I suppose. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's like this thing that's on a cooldown for, in order for it to be effective. You know, but I guess it's in games, if you could spam your alt, you would, but that's not how we work in psychiatry. <laughs> so I need a, a different analogy. It's like, it's like a cooldown that, like, you know, it's like blood magic, let's say, like where you like lose a portion of your HP to like cast a powerful spell, but you can't spam that shit. So generally speaking, I try not to spam hospitalization and use it only when necessary. Yeah, it's lay on hands. Yeah, so shrapnel sacrifice, what constitutes a suicide attempt? Providers ask me about my past attempts. I've been told that having the means and almost doing it doesn't count as an attempt. I don't know. So this is where, like, providers are going to be different. You know, some people will say it counts as an attempt. Some people will say it won't count as an attempt. I think about, so what I do is I do a risk formulation. So it's not so much about, you know, what is or isn't. It's not binary. It's like a risk assessment that's on a scale. So is this person low risk, medium risk, high risk, chronically elevated risk, acutely elevated risk? Like, there's a lot of dimensions to assessing risk. Right? And this is where we talk about means, history, current mindset, circumstances, current stressors, all those kinds of things kind of factor in. Dazzled, actually, Dazzled is, is a great example of what a hospitalization is. That's beautiful, Dean 77944. That's actually the best gaming analogy I can think of. So if you guys play Dota, you know this, but if you don't, there's a hero named Dazzle who has an ability called, it's not his alt, but it's, it's Shallow Grave is what I was thinking. Um, where Shallow Grave, like, it doesn't heal you, but it prevents you from dying for a temporary period of time. And so when you like shallow grave someone, like you can keep them alive for like, you know, a certain period of time, but like they're not actually gonna be healed. So as soon as shallow grave ends, if they take, you know, any damage, they could still die. So what I think about hospitalization is sort of like a shallow grave. So it's like a temporary measure that keeps you alive. But in my experience, hospitalization can sometimes fix things, but it's really about like healing you back to full. That's the important part. Axe chop metal. I knew, I knew Axe, I knew Calling Flight was gonna come up. I knew it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the, I don't know. This is where the analogy falls apart. Uh, Axe is blink. <laughs> Axe is on your team chat. Okay, so that's a pretty good video. What are your thoughts on what he said? Did you learn anything? Or Coming from pe a person that has been hospitalized seven times, I still feel like there's a huge difference no, from no. So like wanting to get well, wanting to get better, and someone that just wants to use a hospitalization as a means to an end. Basically, they keep going, they keep going, keep crying wolf, keep going to the hospital. Don't be that person. Like, Generally, it's hard to stop that. You were that person, though. No, I didn't keep going to the hospital and hospital. Oh. I, I, I generally was intentionally suicidal. That's the difference. So you are saying that they take responsibility because there's a lot of people. That, you, you, still, shouldn't, you still think that. You shouldn't put the responsibility on your provider. That's the stupidest thing you can do. But they can't help it. They can, That's the thing. Like if you If you truly look back on things and you realize that you may be in a position and they might give you advice, listen to their advice. Listen to what the provider has to say, but ultimately it's your responsibility to do what you have to do to get better. They can tell you this and that, go to the hospital, not go to the hospital in general. It's up to you to make that decision. That, that factor to 
put yourself in a position where you think you will be more safe. Sometimes family members just get sick of it and say that then just go to the hospital. They don't want to deal with it. And then there's people that uh, go to the hospital, yet they're afraid to actually get help, even though they should be in the hospital. I think that's even more of a problem than people that just gets hospitalized all the time. What's your opinion? I still feel that generally it's better to go to the hospital than not go to the hospital, but like, you will notice deal. you will notice there's chronic people chronic hospitalization where people just go and go they're in and out they don't take the medications they don't listen you got to understand that for me i'm generally very well to do when it comes to mental health i take my medications i listen Every to the advice of my psychiatrist i do months. dbt i do other types of therapy to benefit me. i do busy. distractions i keep myself busy I, like I said before, I take my medications and that's so important. There's people that don't take the medications. Oh, here's There's another. people that abuse drugs. There's the people that are addicted to bad behavior. And literally these people are going to have a really, really rough time and probably in and out of the hospital generally. Here's the conscientious example of my brother. Yesterday we were going to go out and I asked if we we're going to go, if we can go to game night to a friend's house. And he said, nope, he didn't have his meds. So in the way that's good, he wants to be. I'll make sure that he takes his meds consistently. You got to take your meds. There's a lot of people. There's a few people that just forget and don't do it, which is. It's intentionally maybe, maybe half and half their fault, half and half, not their fault. But generally speaking, this guy knows what he's talking about. This guy knows how to actually, actually take a risk assessment on a scale and try to provide He's a the psychiatrist. best try, try to provide the best advice but ultimately it is up to you as a patient to make the best decision for you so in the end psychiatrists they can are not, help you but they are not the end, to the end they're not the means to the end it's you it's about the support they can obviously support but in the end it's still you now there's going to be times in which you maybe have voices that you may be suicide that you may be think not be thinking clearly those probably happen and i was at a point where i was so suffering for six months i didn't do anything because i was just unaware of what could potentially be better but if you actually look and see that there's people that function like me that has gone from seven hospitalizations to partial hospitalizations 25 to 30 different medications and ultimately being in a clear state of mind where i do want to live my life People like that exist, and I feel like if you want to actually get in a better position, you got to look at people that have actually accomplished that, and look up to me if you if you need to, because I've actually potentially got myself in a position where I am not hospitalization, where I'm not hospitalized, where I am not in an ERTS or a group home. I live at home. I may not be working right now, but at the same time, once a year only yeah Kyle mentioned I only go to the psychiatrist once a year that's all talking to a friend that has psychiatrists she's really surprised so I used to go like every I used to go every month to see the psychiatrist now I only go once a year you thought you're very vulnerable back then I was vulnerable because literally I feel like the medications in both to save me from having any suicidal thoughts I still feel like if you're suicidal it's better to try to find the right medication than Literally try to force yourself so, to not have those thoughts. So it's better to go through hell and take the risks and have, oh, no. there could be a potential that you could find a better solution than have them. Well, there's probably, a better, opinion? there's probably a better solution than in trying to find the right medication than totally giving up. What do you think about people where they get sick of people just being depressed and sitting in mud pies and then the family member says, fuck you, you're just going to the hospital? Well, what's, what's if, it, if it comes that? to that position... You got to try to listen to the patient or your loved one that is suffering. 
try to not convince them, but try to encourage them to go to the and hospital. What if they don't? And if they don't, you got to be that one that drives them to the hospital. Like for me, I wouldn't go for six months until my mom suddenly decided to just take me there because she knew I wasn't in the right position. You almost had to have a loved one kind of deal with their care at that time because you may or may a not be of aware it came of it. on to me because i was always around travis but and the thing is the negativity brought on you to me. can't continue to keep asking for help because it could come into a cycle in which you cry wolf and then you cycle back and forth and instead of them encouraging you they instead Enabling. become your enabler and that is also not good so be aware of that guys don't do it just to to get attention yeah don't do anything to get attention do it for yourself to get well and be safe and live a life that you really want to live. So what do you think about this guy? You think he's respectable? He knows him being... I would like him as a psychiatrist. I think he's pretty functional. I'm not a big gamer, so I don't know what the fuck he's talking about, but generally I think he he's pretty warm and considerate when it comes to psychiatry. So is there anything else that we need to talk about suicidality and anyone that's scared and do providers force you in hospitalization? My best advice, if you're acutely intentional that you want to commit suicide if you have a plan if you have a plan to go to the hospital it doesn't matter what the psychiatrist that says. one second could save your life like he one. said that intentionally if you take your life it usually happens in one to ten minutes of your decision making so be aware that you could be you could be at a position where you don't want to be hospitalized but if you have this intention and it's getting worse and worse go to the hospital you think about it safe and sorry one one second, when you pull that trigger, you're gone. You're not coming back. You might hate the hospital, but it keeps you safe in an area where you can't potentially harm yourself with my, a weapon. My dad had someone that we mentioned. My brother made a kind of piano piece, piano performance with him, uh, Dave Klein. And that one second, if you just called someone, if you just went to the hospital, if he took his meds, he would have been That overdose here. could have been prevented. And my dad actually... felt really bad that he wished he was alive. So, again, it affects you. So basically, you better go to the hostel. It's better to be safe than sorry. But like, in the long run, if you continue to the hostel in and out, do bad behaviors, addictions, I still, I not still take think your medication. I still think it's People worth, like that exist. If you had to compare it, I still think it's better for a person to consistently go to the hospital and try than someone that where their loved ones push them to the hospital and they just leave. And we yeah. know that someone, don't you think? Well. Or are they both the same? I don't know. It's really up to your own perspective, but generally, if you're unsafe and you have the intent of committing suicide, go to the hospital. If you are at that means to an end where you want to end your life, if you're having suicidal thoughts that pass, you're able to distract yourself in activity or cognitive behavioral therapy or dialectical behavioral therapy or any type of safety mechanism, environment, support. If you have that in mind and you're able to get through the day, pat yourself on the back and you don't need to be hospitalized, but if it's continuously repeating day in, day out, and you're getting so sick of it, of living, go to the hospital. Do patients have rights, and should they be afraid about providers controlling their every health? They shouldn't be afraid, because generally they want to help you. But in, in essence, if you want to get well, you got to take those steps to be proactive. you got to be proactive. You can't have them take that before you can't just go on a ride, and hopefully that they'll they'll actually, you'll benefit. You got to take that responsibility to want to get well. And that's the biggest conclusion that I come up with. When it comes to helping others, the biggest thing you can do for them is let them be, try to encourage them, but you can't just force someone to do this and that. Commands don't work. I think 
I, I think he changed the, the name of this title because this video is not about therapy. I know there's people that think that if you tell your therapist, they think they're going to, you think they'll push in the hospital. This actually is more about a video about suicide and hospitalization. So a therapist, even here's another example. When I went to my therapist the first time, I was scared as hell. And I actually was expecting them to give me meds, but that wasn't their deal. What a therapist the, is totally what different the hell than a psychiatrist. What the hell happened when you first went to the psychiatrist? Why'd you let them ring you like that? Because I didn't know about it. That was my first time. See, ignorance and... can really not be bliss there because it sucks. If, if I had to give advice to someone that's just starting their mental health journey, please take the responsibility to listen to your own body. Please take the responsibility to encourage yourself to... Find the right medication to keep trying to go on that path because the mental journey, mental health journey goes on for a lifelong period. It's not something that clicks in and clicks out. So deep down, a psychiatrist, therapist, all those providers, family, friends, deep down, you know about yourself even if you don't think you, you need to be competent. Uh, Everything. With your own but Whatever, whatever you do, whether you are aware of it or not, you make a fucking choice. So you don't sign on the dotted line where they take control of all so your health. So, for instance, you can blame on yourself for, want for having them prescribe you something, but in the end, you made the choice to let them do that to you. And you used to be mad. And looking back, I realized I did have a choice, that I could... Tell them I didn't want to be. Remember, my ex got really up. Or you got really mad when she said it's still your choice. It is my choice, and in the end, after learning that, it is ultimately my choice. So, what do you say about people that are suicidal? Is that their choice, or is it more it, about them? It's not their choice to have the thoughts, but it is their choice to, to be it. proactive. And so, if they want to get well, go to the hospital, take medication, go see a therapist, go see peer support, get yourself in a better environment. Try to use cognitive or dialectic behavioral therapy, whatever it takes to get yourself well. There is no means to an end when it comes to psychiatric help. It's a lifelong process and you got to be patient, but you got to have that urge, urgency to actually get yourself well on a daily basis. You can't simply say, oh, I feel like shit. I don't want to do anything. You got to be proactive and take that step to it getting yourself in a position where you want to get well again be nice yourself sometimes people just don't know any better we didn't know any better sometimes you live and learn so is there anything else we need to address about suicide well one last comment if you look back on yourself who do you have to blame when it came to your your medication fiasco back in the past where they overdosed you and maybe it wasn't anybody's fault because we didn't know and they didn't know. And so, so sometimes you have to suffer a little bit and just don't not place the blame. I hate to sometimes say it. It's if you want success, you're going to end up failing. There's going to be there's going to be really bad days, and generally you got to suffer through them if you want to find the day that actually works well for you. And Travis suffered, and he found better days. Same with me. So I think that's it. So if you really like, if you're this guy is kind of more targeted towards video gamers and a millennial, but I really like watching him because. He posts a lot of stuff. He interviews a lot of people. He actually ends up making people cry, and he can pinpoint and listen to people's problems. And we might be uh, doing another reaction video with him sometime soon. So anyway, you can reach out to him at healthygamer.gg. And if you like our videos and our reaction videos and educational, sometimes the best person that actually knows about mental health and suicide is the one that actually experienced it. And we definitely have that experience, especially my brother, so he knows a lot. So 
If you like this video, please like, comment, and subscribe, and hit the bell button to stay up with future updates. All right, take care. Have a good one. Bye. Happy 4th, everybody. Bye. Yep. Happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. Bye.